LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. This is the Unseen Leadership Podcast, where we explore the unseen stories that shaped leaders into who they are today. Jesus has been really patient with me, and I definitely haven't gotten it the first time or the 10th time, and uh, he continually takes me from where I am to where he's leading me to go. And that's part of what leadership is, is shepherding people toward where God's calling you to go and not just telling them go there and expecting it to happen. Well, welcome to the Unseen Leadership Podcast. I am your host, Chandler Vinoy, here with my co-host, Dan Eiten. Hey, Chandler. I'm excited. Today, we've got with us David Platt. Uh, David is the lead pastor at McLean Bible Church in the Metro Washington, D.C. area. Um, He's also the founder of Radical and the author of several books, including his latest, which is called uh, Don't Hold Back, Leaving Behind the American Gospel to Follow Jesus Fully. David, awesome to have you on the podcast today. Tell us, before we jump into our questions, tell us a little bit about the book. Yeah, well, one, it's great to be with you guys. I've listened to some of the, the interviews you guys have done, so honored to be a part of the list of uh, people who've been on here. But I, uh, yeah, I wrote this book really as the, out of the overflow of the last few years in the church, pastoring the church, uh, specifically in Metro DC, uh, where I have the privilege of serving. But just, uh, I, I think... Maybe the way I'd put it is 10 plus years ago, I wrote a book called Radical and the subtitle of that was Taking Back Your Faith from the American Dream. And uh, I think 10 plus years later, my conclusion is that book was not radical enough, hmm. meaning I don't think it was just an American dream that was like captivating our hearts. I think there's been an American gospel that's been consuming our lives. And by that, I mean... A gospel that exchanges, well, a biblical gospel that exalts Jesus above everything in the world for an American version of it that prostitutes Jesus for the sake of comfort and power and politics and prosperity in our country. And uh, it's ravaged the church in many ways and ravaged our witness, not just in our country, but to the ends of the earth. And so I wrote this book just to say, hey, there's there's a biblical gospel that's worth it's costly to follow in our country right now, but it's worth Mm -hmm. it. And so that's, that's kind of the essence of the book. So just dive into some, some different areas from unity in the church. to what it means to hold on to conviction with compassion to how to do justice with the gospel and how to work toward multi-ethnic beauty in the bride of Christ. Some issues that I think we need to address if we're going to leave an American gospel behind. I've, I've read that book. I've had my wife read it, my mother-in-law. It's an awesome book. And if you guys haven't picked it up yet, I highly encourage you to do it. It's it's really challenging in a, in a good way for us to be thinking, especially as we enter a new election cycle, I feel like coming up here. Well, David, let's go ahead and hop in here uh, to our questions. And I know you, you mentioned a book, Radical, the book that you just wrote. You're at McLean. And we want to hear a little bit about behind the scenes that led to where you are today. So if you could just walk us through the different leadership roles that you have been in over the years. Yeah. So I, uh, well, when I, when I think about that question, I I'm, I'm indebted to, uh, some men early in my life in the church who, uh, encouraged me to lead. I mean, starting, I preached my first sermon because my youth minister, when I was in eighth grade, uh, encouraged me to do that. I don't think it was, 
I, maybe I probably shouldn't have been preaching at that point, <laughs> but, uh, my, uh, I could have preached from any text and I chose Revelation 3, Church at Laodicea, like spew you out of my mouth text. And <laughs> I, walked out, I walked up in front of the, the youth group. It was just in front of the youth group. And before I said anything, I took a bottle of water and I drank it and then I spit it out in the front row. And I was like, that's what God thinks of you if you're lukewarm. And uh, that was it. So anyway, that's when that's when it all started for me. Uh, so that's, that's real behind the scenes. Um, <laughs> but just like a desire. Uh, and I'm thankful all that to say for, for a, a brother who in my life at that point was like, okay, now that's one way to start a sermon. There's some other ways that we could, we could talk about. And, uh, so I, uh, fast forward, I won't, I won't go through, uh, my life since the eighth grade, but I started preaching a lot, just traveling and preaching all throughout college and, uh, and in the seminary. And then I actually was finishing up seminary and started teaching at, uh, New Orleans seminary where I was going to school, um, was doing that until uh, Hurricane Katrina sent our house underwater. And uh, we relocated during that time. And a church in Birmingham, Alabama asked me to consider, well, just fill in for a couple Sundays and preach initially. And then they asked me to pastor. And uh, I'd never pastored before, didn't have a clue what I was doing. And uh, they asked me to pastor the church. And so I became pastor of the church at Brook Hills. I remember my first day, like sitting in my office, like, what do I do? Like, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> idea. And it was on Monday. I remember like my head, like, what do I do? And I thought, well, I got to preach a sermon on Sunday. So uh, I might start there. And so uh, anyway, started pastoring the church at Brook Hills, did that for eight years and uh, then thought the Lord was, uh, initially thought the Lord was leading us to move overseas, but uh, he redirected us in a way that I, I became uh, president of the International Mission Board. So overseeing uh, this incredible missions organization that uh, serves Southern Baptist churches. So I did that for four years and uh, in the process really missed pastoring and shepherding people with the word on mission and that kind of way. And so the Lord opened a door to when I was living in Richmond at IMB to fill in and preach some up here in uh, Metro DC and then eventually to, to pastor here. And so I've been pastoring here for about five and a half, six years. And along the way, somewhere along the way, uh, as I began writing, uh, ended up uh, starting Radical, the ministry. And so I've been leading that for, uh, I guess, close to 15 years. You know, you talked about your time in college and I think it, I think we had Kevin Queen on and yes. as I was, we were talking with him, he may have been during the podcast or after, and he just started telling us how many people were at UGA and just the movement of God that was happening. I think it was mm. you, Kevin, maybe even Annie F. Downs. And he's kind of named Downs was there. Yeah. few others. And I was like, oh my goodness, man, take us back to the, the UGA <laughs> days. It just sounds like it was a, an amazing time on that campus. You know, by God's grace, it was, it's really cool. We, we actually just had like a reunion with some of the people who were involved in one particular campus ministry. Uh, I was actually involved in a couple, but this one, and there was the Wesley foundation on campus at Georgia. That's where Kevin and Annie were both involved. And, uh, we had this reunion. It was awesome to get together with people who 20 years later, by God's grace are still leading in all kinds of ways. And, and, and I mean, some have gone around the world. Some are leading in churches here or other ministry roles. And uh, I just, man, I look back at that time. 
I learned so much on that campus. Uh, it was a faith forming time for me, for sure. It was like crisis of belief. Like I'm on this secular university campus. Do I really believe the gospel, um, and wrestling with my faith in a whole new way. But I, I think the, yeah, that wrestling and doing it with brothers and sisters in Christ, they forged some foundations that, uh, yeah, by God's grace are, are still bearing fruit today. And one, one more just follow up question on this. You, you, you mentioned it. You you stepped in to the church at Brook Hills. If you don't mind me asking, how old were you when you did that? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember exactly. It was like 26, 27, 20, maybe 27. Yeah. I can't and, remember exactly. And before that, we're teaching at a seminary, correct? Correct. Okay. So you are stepping into these positions at a young age. Uh, you wrote Radical, uh, I would say, at a young age, for especially for a book, for the impact it had. And I feel like there's this in, as you watch, it, it can be that, man, young guys get ahead of themselves and character doesn't keep up with the spotlight. So as you were mm-hmm. stepping into the church of Brook Hills and all this was happening, man, just take us through how you were really leaning into the Lord during that season and how, cause I mean, guys, I mean, honestly, one of the reasons we started this podcast is people may, may read a book that you've written, listen to sermons and go, man, I want to be where David is. I want to be the impact. I want to be able to preach the gospel like he does, but they don't understand what that looked like for you to step in and, and the hardship, the, the forming of your character that that took. So just take us through what those days look like. Man, I am. I'm kind of tearing up a little over here, Chandler. I, uh, I'm just really grateful for God's grace. So I'll, I'll tell you a story that'll encapsulate it. So yeah, I started pastoring, Church of Kills, we were growing. It was like super exciting, all kinds of awesome things happening. And yeah, I wrote a book and uh, a lot of people were reading it. I started getting invited to preach in all these different places. And there I, I there was a long season there where, I, and I say season, I just, I can't remember how long it was, but it was a long time where all these awesome things were happening. But my intimacy with the Lord was mm. non-existent. Like I, uh, yeah, I hardly ever had a quiet time. I mean, I'd, I'd study the Bible to preach a sermon, but not just to know God. And I could, I could turn on a public prayer anytime, but I wasn't like going into my room, closing the door and just being with my father in heaven. And, and so there was a point, uh, and I mean, don't get me wrong. I wasn't lazy. Like I was working hard. I was staying up all night, doing all kinds of different things, running, you know, traveling, doing all these things. And, uh, there was a point where, so thankful for my wife, we were on a, a date night and I periodically try to ask her, Hey, how can I love you better? And, uh, usually she'll be like, yeah, you're doing great. Like, I mean, maybe you can work on this or that, but you're doing great. Well, this time there was no, you're doing great. Uh, she was, she was like, David, you, you don't, you work all the time. You don't sleep. You don't eat healthy. You don't exercise. Mm -hmm. And she said, I don't know when you have a quiet time. And she said, if you don't make some major changes really soon, you're not going to be around to love me very long. Mm -hmm. And it was a major wake up call. Uh, Like I just, I did not have discipline in my life that was going to enable long-term devotion to Jesus and just Jesus all the more so the church or, but at the same time that frightens me guys, like how mm-hmm. successful, so to speak in the eyes of the world and as church world, even my own eyes that I could be in ministry and do it totally apart from intimacy with Jesus. And, uh, 
And I think of so many different directions that could have gone. They, God, that's why I'm tearing up. They, God, I, I would not be here right now or not for God's protecting grace. That could have gone in so many different unhealthy. Like I could have, it, it could have been over really quick. So anyway, all that to say, and I mentioned the word discipline for a reason. Like I, I made some major changes at that point in my life. So this was yeah early on in leadership for me and instilled some disciplines when it comes to uh, like my lack of spiritual discipline was a picture of lack of discipline in all parts of my life. So I started instilling spiritual disciplines. Uh, and I'm talking about just basic meditation on the word and prayer and fasting. And then on top of that, physical exercise and what do you eat and, and sleep. And, uh, I, I wouldn't say by any means I've been perfect since then, but by God's grace, since then, those disciplines have been consistent in my life in ways that there's no chance we'd be having this conversation right now if if god hadn't woke me up woken me up in that way and by his grace instilled those disciplines in my life in in reading your book that was that was one of the things that really stuck out to me is you mentioned that story in your book about you know having success but not having that intimacy with god so i appreciate the vulnerability in the book and your vulnerability here with us today you know our second question was talking about a pivotal moment and i feel like that might be the one that you would mention and i just want to follow back up kind of on that of like you know so you made you you kind of disciplined yourself to start to do those things is there any you know kind of even practical things that you would want to tell a young leader out there that might be in that same boat where they're, they're not praying, you know, outside of what they pray in a small group that they might be leading or they're not, you know, in, in God's word as often as, you know, they probably need to kind of cultivate that relationship with the Lord. Like, what did that look like from you to go where you didn't have something for a period of time to like, you know, being more disciplined about it? Yeah. Well, I mean, for anybody who's listening to this, which I, I trust there will be some who are listening to this who are, who are there, like hear this by God's grace as him speaking to your heart, like right now, reminding you, this is what you're made for. You're not made mm -hmm. for all this stuff. Like don't try to manufacture heart for ministry and miss a heart for Jesus who missed the whole point. Like you're made for him. That's why I mean, Matthew six. And I know we know this, but I, I totally missed it. Like go into your room, close the door, pray to your father's unseen. Your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. This is where reward is found. Like it's better. And that's one of the things that just, to, cause I do, I share that in the book because these last few years have been like, really hard in a variety of ways. And uh, a lot of the awesome things haven't been happening. There's been a lot of other challenging things, but I, I wouldn't go back to that stuff. I like it's been the opposite the last couple of years. I've experienced deeper intimacy with God than I've ever had before. And I, he's better. He's just so much better. And he loves you. He wants this for you. And, and so then practically I, uh, I would say like for, for me to, and that's what I would encourage to look at what does discipline look like in your life? Like good, gracious discipline. I mean, all of this driven by grace, but yeah, how, what is your, I didn't have any routine for getting up early in the morning and I needed to make some changes. So I made some changes to get up early in the morning and make sure that that changed when I went to bed. Like I needed to go to bed. I needed to go to bed at a certain, at a decent time in order to do that. And I built in a workout routine in the morning just, to, uh, uh, start. Yeah building some physical exercise into uh, my life. And then I would say if there's one kind of extra biblical thing, 
that uh, I would, I would put on the table for me, journaling is so significant. So I, I can like throughout my life can trace my times when I've been walking most closely with the Lord have been times when I've been journaling. And, uh, and so that's something I do every morning. I mean, it's, it's what I do in my time with the Lord. I just, I just start, I'm writing out. It helps me not, not get distracted in my praying, um, and my meditation on the word. And so I'm just, I'm writing out, I don't write out every single thing I pray, but I'm writing out a lot just prayers of praise. Or, I mean, this morning it's like, God, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm struggling with this. I need, yeah, I need your help in this way, that way. And I'm just pouring that out before the Lord, like writing it out. I'm reflecting on. So I think this is huge just in life, but also in leadership, reflecting on things from yesterday. Uh, what did God do? What, uh, what am I learning from that? What do I need to learn from that? I'm, I'm writing through, just kind of praying through the day as I look ahead. And, and I, so I'm right. And then I'm writing out scripture. Uh, so I've got the intentional Bible reading plan, which I would certainly encourage uh, if somebody doesn't have. And I, use Robert Murray McShane's it's you can do two or four chapters a day I do two chapters a day and the love for the love of God devotional that D.A. Carson has that goes with it is so helpful but anyway uh, I mean I'm writing uh, and I'm doing all this just uh, I don't have like a special journaling system it's just like a Microsoft Word file for 2023 and it's uh, you know I write down the date and then I go for it and and, uh, so I just I'll take as I'm reading this passage this morning in Acts or in Judges then I'm just writing out verses. I'm reflecting on them. I'm, I'm praying through them. And uh, so anyway, that that one practice, I would say, has if I had to pick one, has been uh, yeah, extremely significant for me. That I would encourage others. I know different people have different personalities, but uh, for me, that's that's been huge. Thanks for sharing that with us. Let's go back to young David again, getting started in leadership. What was Maybe one of your biggest mistakes getting started as a leader. Oh, Other than man. spitting the water out at your congregants. Yes, right. I don't, I don't know if that was a mistake. That might have been. He still he might still be using that. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Oh man. All right. So here's here's one. I mean, I can think of a lot. Here's here's one moment that sticks out. I remember I remember I just started pastoring at uh, Brook Hills and uh, I was, I was down at, I was preaching actually up at Union University in Jackson, Tennessee. And uh, David Dockery was president there at that point. And I remember uh, I just met him and I'm talking with him in his office before I go preach. And I'm like, Dr. Dockery, what's one leadership lesson you would give me as a young leader starting out? And, uh, well, I should, I should back up. I had just like the week before with our, we'd walked through a process with our leaders and then with the whole church, like casting a 10 year vision where we're going to go and what we're going to do as a church. And, uh, this is early in my time at Brook Hills cast that vision. So I, I'm up at union and I'm like, Dr. Dr. What's one leadership lesson you would, you encourage me with? And he's like, well, whatever you do don't cast a 10 year vision. Right? <laughs> and it was like my, I like my head drop. Like the one thing he said, don't do. I had like, just done. And you can't like undo a 10 year vision. Yeah. I mean, in that moment, you can't go be like, ah, sorry, we should have done that. Especially. So all that to say, that's what I think of when I think of, uh, yeah, there, there's a lot, especially. And that, that's the thing when I, when I think about other mistakes I made, it's it, a lot of it was because I wasn't taking time to 
learn and listen mm. first. And uh, so I, I, I obviously that can, I think, be unhelpful on the other end. If you never act on anything, you're just always kind of indecisive. But at the same time, to be really wise in learning and listening before deciding and acting uh, and, and starting to learn that balance or that tension of when it's healthy to move forward. Uh, I definitely hadn't learned that at that point. So you got that advice. <clears throat> You're probably like, okay, now what if I have done that? <laughs> but I looked at him like, Dr. Dr. Eaton, I, I just did that. I just, yeah. and he, he kind of, he it was like a little smirk. He was like, well, okay. <laughs> it's done. Well, Good luck to you. You'll learn. You'll learn. That was not the yeah. wisest thing to do. Yeah. So on this, so on this side of it, you, you, you walked through that. You did it as a church. Dr. told you that. What, what's the wisdom in that? Like, help us understand you even walking through it. Why do you feel like he shared that with you? And maybe even you walk through that. I, I think what he was saying uh, wisely was like part of leadership. It's not just casting a vision. It's one, creating a culture that shares that vision and shepherding people to accomplish that vision. And, and so developing that vision, one, I, it takes some time. Uh, for that kind of vision, it takes some time of you listening and learning the culture that's there. And, and maybe that culture and a variety of things there need to change, but first know what you're kind of getting into and what it's going to cost and what is going to be involved in shepherding people to, to go in that direction. I think that's one of the tensions I have wrestled with most in leadership and I think still wrestle with. And, uh, and the way I would describe it is like urgency in accomplishing a vision or mission and patience in shepherding people to accomplish mm. that vision. Or mission. And, uh, and so, because you can't, you really need both. And cause I, I, I tend more on the, let's go, here's the plan. Let's go for it. And I've had, and I have to continually learn. Well, yes, but you've got to shepherd people along that and you've got to, uh, you got to walk them through the process. And this is what, and whenever I get impatient, I realize it's just a picture of pride in my own life because hmm. Jesus has been really patient with me and I definitely haven't gotten it the first time or the 10th time. And, uh, he continually takes me from where I am to where he's leading me to go. And that's part of what leadership is, is shepherding people toward where God's calling you to go and not just telling them go there and expecting it to happen. That's a good reminder, a good word for us. Our next question for you is, is you think about a young leader, is there a wish or when you were a young leader, is there a book that is out there that you wish you would have read when you were younger or something you would want to recommend to one of our young leaders listening? Other than oh, radical. Oh man. <laughs> you know, I, so I'll tell you the first one that comes to my mind. I actually already mentioned it is that for the love. So this is not a leadership book. So I don't know if this is going to be unhelpful no. because it's not specifically leadership, but like for the love of God by DA Carson, it goes along. It's like a devotional that goes along with the Bible reading plan that I use that I've used for years now. Really. I can't remember if it was right after that moment that we were talking about earlier, but it was soon thereafter. I mean, DA Carson has been my companion most mornings of my life since then. And uh, I'm so thankful. Like, I guess, so the reason that book comes to my mind is because it's been an instrument in God's hand to nurture my intimacy with him, which is the 
fountain from which leadership flows. And I, uh, I mean, I was at a point where I was probably, I don't remember exactly, but I was probably devouring leadership type of books at that point. I mean, church is growing, doing this and that, like, how do, how do we go to the next level? But I was missing the point. And so, yeah. So whether, whether it's for the love of God or something like just what book or books are going to fuel your intimacy with Jesus at the core of who you are and all you're doing as a leader. So that, that's why that one comes to my mind. That's helpful. I'm going to throw, I'm going to throw a little bit of a pivot here on this question. And this may just be, I just want to ask it. And I think it could be helpful. <laughs> I mean, David, I think your preaching ministry and your writing has impacted so many people, uh, but especially preaching. I would love for you to just, if, if you're willing to, would love to share with us maybe a little bit of your sermon prep process and maybe just like while you're sharing that, maybe, Hey, young leader who's wanting to preach, mm. here's just something mm. to think about as well. Yeah, sure. I'd be glad to. So I would say, all right, pick up a text, uh, identifying text. And then I, I really think I, I learned this from Jim Shaddix, uh, who taught preaching at New Orleans Seminary. I was just a mentor of mine, but the importance of meditation on the text and internalization of a passage. So not just to dive into the mechanics of, okay, what is this commentary that's in? How do I put together this sermon? Like, like to read the text slowly. I remember Dr. Shaddix and I, we, when I was in New Orleans, we like co-preached a sermon together. So we were studying together. And I remember we studied this text. It was in Ephesians. Uh, I think it was Ephesians 2 and uh, 1 to 10, just that incredible gospel passage. And I remember we, it was like, okay, how are we going to study? We got down on our knees together and just read through it and prayed mm -hmm. through it. And like, I remember him being a tear, in tears at one point, like just, just this text was just internalizing it. And I, I've never forgotten that. So don't, don't get, I'm not saying I read and weep over every text I preach <laughs> before I preach it. So I don't want to give a false impression, but that's always stuck with me. I want that, that sense to be evident in my study in the text that, um, I'm really internalizing it. And, uh, and if it gets to a point and this is part, cause this is part of the problem. When I was in that season, I was mentioned earlier, it was just mechanical. Like I, I wasn't studying to know God. I was studying to get a sermon. And so don't, don't do that. Like mm -hmm. study like first and foremost to know God. Yes. You want to communicate it faithfully. So then, sorry, I'm not getting into the mechanics. So, but that's, that's key. It's so pivotal. And so then to meditate on the text, I love to just go through it. You're diagramming, you're writing out, circling words, phrases. So just doing what I would encourage and what we try to train uh, our folks, just everyday followers of Jesus to study the Bible, to, to do that. And then, so, all right, I, sorry, I could talk about this for an hour. I'll try to summarize. <laughs> I know. It's, it's awesome. Um, then, <laughs> to, uh, to th then I do use a variety of resources. Logos is a great friend of mine. Um, uh, it's a Bible software for people who don't know what that is, but you know, resources that help understand the text. I want to make sure, yeah, to hopefully I'm, I've already seen things in the text that these guys are pointing out these men and women who've written on this text. But, uh, uh, so then I take all, I've take tons of notes. I've highlight different things that, I, that, are, that deal with this passage. And then once I've got all that study done, then I kind of go through a process where I, I I'll write out like in a one page of a document, 
I'll bullet out just main points that I see or main thoughts that I want to make that I might want to really hone in on illustrations that have come to my mind along the way applications come to my mind. So just so that I've got one page of like the guts uh, Mm -hmm. of the content of what's kind of becoming sermon. And then from that, then I kind of put together a structure. So how does that structure? And obviously I want my structure to reflect the structure of the text to the extent possible. And uh, so then so then I got a structure and then what I do is I've got a structure outline, whatever you might call it for the message. And, uh, and then I, uh, take all that research and I start putting it in that structure and I, I write a full manuscript. So I write out, it's like a bulleted manuscript. So it's word for word, everything I'm going to say, I write it all out. And my kids know when I'm, when I'm here working on the <laughs> turn at home in my office, like I'm, I'm, I'm going for it. Like I'm yelling, like I am coming <laughs> down. I'm, I'm, I'm hitting those keys so hard and like, come on. Yes. And uh, I'll stand at my desk. And so I, so I'm preaching it as I'm writing it. Yeah. And then, uh, and then I'll go back and, and review from there. And, uh, and then that, that morning really just is mainly meditation on and sharpening, uh, making sure I'm ready to, to, to preach it. And do you preach from the, uh, the full manuscript with you? Yep. Yeah. So I'll take, I use, I take my iPad, uh, with me and I've got it. it, it so it's just picture a, a word file. My, it's all in my software, just super simple, but then, uh, just, it's all bulleted. And so every sentence has its own bullet. So it's kind of, so, so it's not like in paragraph form, that's harder for me to follow. Um, so it's just, and I'm just scrolling through it and, and I'm, I'm pretty tied to my manuscript. I very rarely veer off from it. Man, that's awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that with us. Uh, Hopefully if you're listening, that's helpful. Maybe you can take some pieces of that. So thanks, David. Well, let's move to the quick hitter questions here. And these are going to be short one minute answers. And let's get started with this one. You've already talked about routine discipline. So what is your ideal daily routine? What time do you wake up, get into the office, work out, all that good stuff? So ideal would be, uh, so a normal day here at home, I'm going to wake up probably 5.30, have time with the Lord hopefully for about an hour, then work out. Uh, my wife and I both do uh, CrossFit together. So we'll, we'll go get a, get a wad in and then come back, have a nice protein shake or something and small breakfast and then kind of get going with the day. And then it all depends on, I, I work from home some, I do sermon from, from home, that sort of thing. Or if there's meetings at the office, I'll go into the office or other things that I'm doing up at the church building. And so, yeah, that kind of nine to five kind of portion is uh, filled with miscellaneous things, do a podcast interview, whatever. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so I try to, yeah, build that in. And then I try. So on an ideal day is uh, at some point, turn it all off and uh and really unplug i i have to really i try to make sure so when i'm back home with our kids or go down from my office here at the house that it's like i'm on and i'm not like checking my phone doing this or that during that time so really try to to really unplug and be present. And so, yeah, we'll sit around and have, have dinner. I'm a, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll watch, watch a show together. I'm, I'm a big 
baseball fan. So if there's a Braves game I can put on in the background, hey, that's go. great. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and so, but yeah, just do whatever the kids are doing, whether it's playing outside or, or actually these days it's taking them this way or that way, but your ideal day, <laughs> ideal day is not running kids everywhere. Uh, yeah, so yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> playing with the kids at the house uh, and not having to run around and be in traffic and everything else. So, and then uh, hopefully to bed by, Oh man, nine o'clock would be awesome. 10 o'clock is probably more normal. And, uh, and yeah, try to be asleep by 1030 and do it again the next morning. Awesome. So kind of a follow-up to that. Is there a productivity hack or something that you use, whether it's an app or just a habit that you try to, to instill? Is there any sort of hacks that you'd want to share with us? Well, I mean, definitely journaling, which I mentioned earlier, but the app wise, I use, uh, I use the things app. That's really helpful for me. Things. It's just kind of a to-do list uh, and you can categorize different things. Uh, that's super helpful for me. And it, you know, crosses all the devices and um, helps me kind of keep things in order and make sure things don't fall through the cracks. I've been using things for the past year and it's awesome. It's great. I'll yeah. second that. What's an unusual habit that helps you in your leadership? Unusual. I'm trying to think of something really cool that I do that would be so <laughs> super helpful. But I'm a pretty boring guy, and uh, I'm, I'm guessing my wife would be like, "Oh, this is that quirk that you have that you totally forget." <laughs> like, I don't, I don't even know. realize I have. Maybe. Um, so, man, I don't know. Sorry, I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm not delivering on that question. That's okay. Good. Super useful. <laughs> I apologize. So our, our next quick hitter question uh, is: What is your favorite app on your phone, other than the Bible app, and other than things? Is there something else oh, that's your favorite okay. app? Well, I mean, the one I'm gonna I'm gonna give a total plug here, but for Joshua Projects Unreached to the Day, I just I I hope. I would love for everybody who listens to this podcast to spend 30 seconds of your day praying for the spread of the gospel to people mm. who've never heard it. And uh, that Unreached of the Day app, I mean, it's so super simple. You just open it up and it's got a, a people group that has little to no knowledge of the gospel. And so to intercede for them, uh, that's, a, that's a worthy use of 30 seconds in your day, if not longer. But uh, so, and that app, like that's, that's probably... Yeah, it's pretty consistent and uh, I would certainly commend it to everybody listening. What has been the best book you've read in the past six months? So there's, we, we've been in the process of uh, waiting for about three and a half years to adopt. Uh, we, we were three days away from going to pick up uh, our son overseas wow. when in January, 2020, when COVID hit and we've been waiting and waiting, waiting. So along the way, somebody recommended a book that I've read all throughout this time and uh, Andrew Murray's Waiting on God. It's a, a short, simple book. It's really kind of a book of meditations. He basically takes different passages that talk about waiting on God all throughout scripture. And it's like a page long meditation on it. So it's not intended to be just like sit down and read through in one sitting, but just like, I mean, like before bed at night or just in the morning or just here or there, like to just read one of those and let them soak in. And it's been remarkably encouraging and instructive and in a way that like waiting you think about seasons of waiting so it's particularly helpful in that but it actually he really builds out how this is there's a sense in which so much in the christian life in its essence is waiting it's a trusting in god to provide for what you need in the next moment we live not just saved by grace through faith we live by grace through faith and that's a that's a constant waiting on god so it's really good 
Sorry, I'm not answering these in a minute either, but that's that's the name of the book. <laughs> that's all right. We, we love hearing from you. And here's our last quick hitter question for you is, what's one sentence of advice that you would give somebody going into a leadership position for the very first time? Well, and the first thing that comes to my mind is what we've talked about a lot, like lead out of the overflow of intimacy with Jesus. I, I Maybe I, to put it more forcefully, be afraid of leading apart from intimacy with Jesus. Hmm. Like otherwise you're going to lead people. It, otherwise you're going to miss the point. And I, I don't trust what I would lead people to do apart from intimacy with him. So, yeah. Man, appreciate that, David. And thanks for joining us on the podcast today and sharing about your leadership journey. And thank you for listening. We hope this has been helpful to you and your leadership. If it has, head on over to wherever you're listening to the podcast, leave us a rating and review so other leaders like yourself can find the podcast. And we'll see you next time. 